It's 20 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Now, if you were watching uh, the press conference, obviously, yesterday afternoon, um, you would have seen the Chief Minister, Michael Gunner, uh, really quite upset, I think you'd say, and sort of lose his cool over the uh, vaccine data in remote communities. Now, we know that, obviously, um, ensuring that those vaccination numbers in remote communities is incredibly important. Joining me on the line right now is Dr Robert Parker, who is the head of the Australian Medical Association here in the Northern Territory. Good morning to you, Dr Parker. Morning, Katie. Dr Parker, I'm not sure if you saw um, the Chief Minister blow up at that press conference yesterday, um, but do you have much insight into these numbers and, and is it important that we do actually have those numbers for some of the remote communities at this point? Incredibly important. You know, we've been constantly concerned, as have AMSAND, about the potential spread of um, COVID into those communi- into the remote communities and the potential for very significant um, illness and death following, you know, what's happened with Indigenous communities down south. Um, Because, again, the Indigenous communities are very vulnerable given their very high rates of other illnesses that they've got um, to both, you know, in terms of very serious impacts of being in hospital and also dying from the COVID experience. Now, obviously, Dr Parker, earlier in the week, uh, we also saw the Chief Minister sort of talk through some of that Doherty modelling. And I know or I understand that you've been out, I'm I'm reading on the ABC online, um, out in the last couple of days saying that until young kids can actually be vaccinated, that the government should actually be putting those plans to ease travel restrictions for domestic and international travellers on hold. Why do you think that that is important at this point? Well, again, it's the potential spread. I mean, children, even though they, they thankfully don't often get the virus um, or get very sick from it, they can still pass it on. So the potential for spread in the Indigenous communities from young children is still very real. Should we be sort of holding back, I suppose, the whole of the Northern Territory, though, when it comes to those travel restrictions, when there are, by, you know, it seems as though there are some uh, parts of the Northern Territory, whether it's remote communities or whether it's, uh, you know, remote, uh, remote uh, sort of areas within the community, um, who actually seem to not want to get the vaccine? Well, the problem is, you know, with vaccine resistance, they're still users of the system. So um, if they become sick, you know, and we're aware of the constant pressures on the hospital with code yellows and, and, and level four, but still, you know, if they get sick, it's still going to be, they're still going to be travelling to Alice Springs or Darwin Hospital to be treated and putting incredible pressure um, on um, already very straight health, health systems. So there's, a, there's a, the individual cost of COVID, then there's the public cost of uh, further extreme pressure on a very stressed system. Dr Parker, what else can we be doing in some of these communities and, and in different parts of the Territory where people don't want to get the vaccine um, to really, you know, try and get them over the line? Well, again, I think I've had my own views on the, on the media approaches, but every man and his dog has their own view. And unfortunately, I'm not funded to provide mine, which is to produce a couple of racy music videos, which is basically with local Aboriginal bands putting the message... Trust the health mob, don't trust other mob. Um, And for footballers to be saying, you get vaccinated, you know. Unfortunately, I'm not funded to produce those, but I I think, you know, stern individuals telling you to get vaccinated probably doesn't doesn't relate to people, whereas some racy music videos that get up on TikTok or... um, on Facebook are more likely to get the message across to people. But anyway, that's my view. Are we we looking at this in a bit of an old-fashioned way, do you think, Dr Parker? 
Well, obviously, people use media in quite a different way now, and I think we've got to be quite adaptive about get health, getting health messages into communities and in, in a slightly different way to the way we're doing that. That's my view. Um, now, I know that also as part of this Doherty modelling, and I, I know you're a busy man, so I don't know whether you've had the opportunity to have a, a good sort of look through it, um, but it did also say, and the Chief Minister repeated on Monday, that um, realistically the Territory would be able to handle between 30 and 100 daily COVID cases. That is obviously once we reach those vaccine targets. Um, do you feel as confident as what the government seems to be? I think the government's very optimistic. You know, it's... Um I mean, again, noting that half of Royal Melbourne Hospital at one stage was devoted to looking after people with COVID, that's an incredible pressure on the system. And again, the people from COVID just don't end up in hospital for a day and then leave. You know, they they stay and they're often very sick for a number of days or weeks. Um, And the fact that we're currently working on Code Yellow Level 4 and we're going to get additionally very sick individuals who are going to be in hospital for a long time, potentially on ventilators, potentially sitting in wards, um, is going to put another significant strain on the health system. So I'm not nearly as confident as the Chief Minister about the health system's ability to cope. They do seem to have really hung their hats on everybody getting vaccinated and really getting those high vaccination rates. But do you think that more could have been done uh, up until this point to, to make sure we're prepared in other ways? Well, I know the government, oh, again, you know, it gets back to the letter I wrote years ago. And in fact, it's interesting now that the government is starting to realise that the national issue about pressure on public hospitals and I think Scott Morrison is starting to make noises now about realising that hospitals all over Australia are already stressed. The fact that the Territory hospitals are three times as stressed as other hospitals three times as active, you know, and the fact that we may, as a result start to get some real funding coming in to help our very, very distressed hospital system. Dr Parker um, is very important. How are things going at the moment uh, within our hospital system? Well, again, I pay tribute to all our clinicians and workers in the hospitals that are doing a great job keeping the whole thing going. But, you know, the, the code yellow level four indicate oh, the systems are under stress. Um, we know that the vaccine mandate obviously kicks in over the weekend. Do you have any idea uh, whether it's going to have much of an impact from your perspective uh, on the health system, i.e. on the professionals that work in the, in the health system, any of them not wanting to get the vaccine? Well, I understand there's a few who don't want it, but unfortunately they're not going to have any work because the government's been very clear on the thing. You either get vaccine or you don't have a job. Um, and, and that's clear. So you make, I suppose you make choices in life and um, that's one of the choices you make. Well, Dr Robert Parker, it's always good to catch up with you. Anything else I should be aware of before I let you go? Well, we're, we're, Katie, we're becoming increasingly concerned about police body-worn cameras, um, particularly in the in the in the context of what happened to me in the uh, in the Hoffman trial yeah. and also what happened with the publication of the Roth body-worn camera. Um, we're aware now that police, when they wear body-worn cameras, can capture a whole lot of stuff, so they can be in ED wandering around, capturing a whole lot of material that's not relevant to the person they're escorting. Other people having medical conditions treated, potentially Darwin celebrities who are suddenly on police body-worn camera for, medical, for what private medical conditions. And also, um, you know clinical discussions about individuals um, that may be identified also ending up on police body-worn cameras. Um, So we're seeking, um, and again, what happens to that? So we're seeking urgent advice from the NT Police Minister and the Health Minister on on the privacy issues about that. I mean, obviously, when police are out and about in public um, with body-worn cameras, you know, they do that to protect themselves and the people that they're dealing with. But in Mm. in in a health situation 
where a whole range of people who have not committed a crime or have done anything and are just seeking help and suddenly on police body-worn cameras by no fault of their own, um, it's a real concern. So that's a significant issue for the AMA at the moment that we're... Uh, pursuing with, with, with the government. Yeah, right. So is that, um, do you mean just within the hospital and health system or, um, you yeah, know, you, yeah? You can be an ED having something treated and a, and a policeman brings someone into the ED having their body-worn camera active um, and they're, and the, the, while they're moving through the ED, they're recording everything that's happening. So everyone who they come into contact with and um, potentially, you know, they're identifying people, they're identifying their medical conditions if they're uh, and also there a clinician may be having a discussion um, nearby about a patient, and that's all also being recorded on the camera. And so... Um, and again, so it, has, it has no relevance to the to what the police are doing with a particular individual, but it certainly has significant health privacy concerns. And so you, this is obviously something that the AMA here in the Northern Territory is uh, is wanting to get a bit more detail about and, and wanting to sort of see whether, whether that body-worn camera is actually required then if they are bringing someone into the hospital. Well, that's right. Whether it is whether it is required in the ED, I mean, whether we've got the ability to say to police, please turn it off now. You're in the ED because potentially, potentially there are issues about health privacy for other individuals, apart from the person you're with. Yeah, so well, we're seeking, we're seeking urgent advice from the uh, from the police and health ministers on that. So, seeking urgent advice, um, and Dr. Parker, I'm assuming, obviously, written to them. How soon are you anticipating that they could come back to you? I don't know. Um, we'll wait and see. And I, I think there are significant... We, we're trying to get around the health law implications and they seem pretty fuzzy as well. No one seems to have an idea of what's covered or what's not covered. Um, but that's why we'll, we'll look forward to whatever advice we get from the police and health ministers in this regard. Yeah, that is very interesting. Please keep in contact with us and uh, and let us know what you do find out. Um, look you, might, up, you might want to ask the police yeah. health ministers yourself about it. Yeah, I was going to say, it could be something we add to our list as well, Dr Parker. All right. Good on you. Thanks so much for your time, as always. No worries. Thank you.